Welcome to Talkin' Truth, the podcast that brings together conservative pastor Brian Clark and famous comedian Dan Whitney, a.k.a. Larry the Cable Guy. Get her done. Today begins a new season in the book of Proverbs. It's all about skillful living, and who better to discuss that with than today's guest, author Kara Whitney, who just happens to be Dan's wife. They'll be talking truth about wisdom, the Bible, and life. Now here's Dan. Hey everybody, this is Dan Whitney, a.k.a. Larry the Cable Guy. This is the Back to the Bible broad... Uh, what, now, what are we calling our podcast, Brian? Do we Talk, have a name for it? Talking Truth. Talking Truth. Mm-hmm. That's right. Talking Truth. Mm-hmm. That is our podcast. I don't know if you know this or not, Brian, but this is huge coming up. We're doing the Proverbs. Nine weeks. My first guest is unbelievable. We're going to have three different guests for this. I, w- I want people to tell your friends, tune in. But the first guest is unbelievable. Very good friend of mine. <laughs> My so. wife. Oh, wow. But I love Kara to start off Proverbs because she's great at asking questions. She's awesome. Uh, in case you don't know, my wife has three books out, a fourth one coming. Honey, plug your books. Well, I have one coming out May 17th, and it is about Hebrews 12, 1 through 3, and it's about observing other people's walks with the Lord and gleaning those nuggets by people who have gone before you. It's a lot, but that is Country Soul. Country Soul. So check it out. Those are my wife's books. And she's my guest on for the first three weeks. And then coming up, Brian, it's unbelievable. The next three weeks, the fabulous Mr. Jeff Foxworthy. And then my good friend, comedian, Mr. Jimmy Brewer from Saturday Night Live fame. And so this is great. Proverbs is a fantastic book. It's perfect for today's times as well. So, Brian, will start us off with me, Brian Kerr, the first three episodes of Proverbs. And I am the worst talk show host on the planet, but we are going to get this done. Okay, Brian, this is my friend Brian, who's fantastic. Oh, boy. Uh, This this is Brian Clark, a.k.a. Brian Clark. (laughs) Welcome to this season. You of might Talkin recognize uh, Brian Clark. A lot of people don't know, but he was a childhood actor. That's why we have him. He was the uh, uh-huh. he was the um, uh, orangutan in Every Which Way But Loose. Oh yeah, back in the day, that was his yeah. first role. Right, first role. <laughs> yeah. All right then. Welcome to this season of Talking Truth, where we'll be rummaging around a bit in the Book of Proverbs. Why the Book of Proverbs? Well, think of it this way: Imagine you're walking down a path. Up ahead in the distance, you see the life that your soul longs for. It's a life of satisfaction and joy. We're going to call that the path of life. However, between you and the life you long for, there is a minefield you must cross. You can't go around the field. You must cross it. So now what? You can wing it on your own and hope for the best, but that is likely to end badly. If you look closely, the field is littered with casualties of those who decided to go it alone. For others, the fear of the landmines paralyzes them to such an extent they just stop living. They're just surviving. They're stuck with no idea which way to go. Or you can pull out a map that can direct you around the landmines and safely cross step by step to the life that you want. Seems obvious that following the map is the best option, and our map is the ancient book of Proverbs. 
The Bible is a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Proverbs tells it, it is written so that we might receive instruction in wise behavior. It says to give prudence to the naive and knowledge and discretion to the young. Proverbs states, a wise person will hear and increase in learning. God has provided the roadmap to navigate the minefield if we're willing to listen and learn. Now, if you are determined to be confused or angry and hurtful to the people around you, or if you just want to make a mess of your life, then this study of Proverbs, I suppose, is of little interest to you. But if deep in your gut you have this feeling that our culture is really messed up and you want to live life more skillfully, you want to avoid the landmines, then I would think Proverbs should be very helpful to you. But this isn't just about you. It's about the people around you. One key to understanding the book of Proverbs is to realize it's about how we live life together. It's about life in the community. Whether that community is your family, your workplace, your neighborhood, your friends, or the city you live in. Keep in mind, for good or for bad, we all end up living in the communities we create. Contrary to the selfish individualism of our culture, the vision of Proverbs is that we create communities of mutual flourishing, or what the Bible calls shalom. It's a place where everyone flourishes together. Proverbs talks a lot about wisdom, but what is it in simple, practical terms? Well, it basically means a skill. For example, in the Hebrew Old Testament, the word translated wisdom was used, for example, to describe the craftsmen who were building the temple. When we think of a craftsman, we think of someone who works with great skill. So to be wise is to live life with great skill. It's to avoid the traps and deceptions of the culture and to rise above the foolishness, not only for ourselves, but for others. We need to show people there is a better way to live. Proverbs 1, verse 6 states, The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The Proverbs talks a lot about fools. This particular fool who despises wisdom and instruction we might call the know-it-all fool. This is the most common fool in the book of Proverbs. This person rejects God's wisdom because he thinks he already knows everything. Don't tell me what to do. I'll do what I want to do. This attitude goes all the way back to Genesis 3 and our determination to be our own God. I'll decide what is right and wrong for myself. Nobody's going to tell me what to do. Those are the words of a fool. This person is a fool because he or she is out of step with reality. God has created the world with certain laws or orders that cannot be violated without consequence. For example, the most obvious would be the order in the physical world. Gravity is a physical reality. You are free to believe whatever you want about gravity. But when you jump off a 10-story building, reality wins. What would we call someone who thinks he can change the law of gravity by simply ignoring it or just pretending it's not true? So it is with the social, moral, and spiritual order of God's creation. I mean, only a fool would believe we can violate God's order without consequence. This is why the fear of the Lord is the starting point. Skillful living requires we acknowledge that there is a God and He is in charge. 
Rather than a defiant, don't tell me what to do attitude, we need to submit to God as God and learn to live according to his design and order. So here's our starting point. To live skillfully in this crazy world, we must acknowledge that the Lord is God and I'm not. That he defines right and wrong, and my responsibility is to listen and obey. He has the map. I need to be willing to hear him and believe him in order to follow him. I think we can agree there's no shortage of fools today determined to live life their way and on their terms. Don't tell me what to do. I'll figure it out myself. No matter how bad it gets, they refuse to admit their way isn't working. I encounter these people regularly, but I can't do much to help them. They don't want help. But what about you? Skillful living starts with acknowledging that he's God and I'm not. He's in charge, not me. He knows best how he's designed the world, so I need to listen, to learn, and obey. If I'm willing to do this, he will lead me safely across the minefield to discover the life that my soul is longing for. He'll get me to the path of life. So let's bring in Dan and Kara, and let's talk about this. I wanted to say before we go any further that later on in Proverbs, I can't remember what verse it is, but Solomon says that the most common know-it-all fool is generally a freshman in high school. Uh, they range between ages 14 and 15. Oh, wow. That was later on. Yeah, I think that's yeah. chapter 32. Yes, later on. So, I think this is going to be such a great series because Proverbs is, uh, I mean, it was written... 600 years, 600 B.C., how long ago? Uh, 3,000 years ago. 3,000 mm-hmm. years ago. Solomon, at the time, is richest man in the world. Why, he, he was literally like the Elon Musk of the day. He'd done it all, could have anything he wanted, and could never never find happiness. So he writes these proverbs. And they're, the thing I like about it is just it just shows how humanity is exactly the same as it always has been. And these Proverbs, they're for us just as much as they were for those people 3,000 years ago. We never change. Whereas some of the Bible, you know, is written for the people. It's written for us, but he used terms they would understand back in those days that we have to kind of, what do you call it? Hermeneutics. Hermeneutics. Mm -hmm. But the Proverbs... Uh, that's Solomon's grandson calling me as we speak. I apologize. Yeah, but so, but uh, you don't really need those for these proverbs because I mean you can you can it doesn't matter what year you are alive you can read the proverbs, and it's totally humanity as yeah, it is today. Yeah, I think you know people read Leviticus, they read Numbers. It's just really confusing. They're trying to figure out what's the relevance, but the proverbs are they're pretty clear. And you're right. You think of all the differences between an ancient culture and our modern culture, and yet at the end of the day, we're not really much different. And the Proverbs feel like they were written yesterday for today's problems. Absolutely. And he's just telling you, hey, this is how it's going to go. Listen to this. It's like when you tell your kid, hey, don't touch that. It's going to burn you. Well, they got to see for themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, it's just we never learn. I mean, here it is laid out for us how to lead this life. 
And we just, man, we still don't listen. How do you deal with these types of fools that they've, you know, the heart of man hasn't changed. So before I knew Jesus, I was violating God's order. And I knew I was, but I didn't know it, what it was. It just didn't feel right. My life didn't feel right. And so I found myself at that time, even though I didn't have any sort of spiritual upbringing or anything, you feel it. And so you try to manipulate things to justify how you're behaving to fit your lifestyle. I see a lot of that in our culture today. How do you deal with the fools that are coming at you trying to change laws and mandate things that socially aren't right? Yeah, so it's it's challenging yeah. and in a in a contemporary culture there's so many ways for those voices to get to us. You think about it in the ancient world unless they came and knocked on your door, you weren't really going to hear those voices like today. It comes through social media, it comes through the internet, television, movies, video. Your kids go off to school, they're exposed to all kinds of things that you don't agree with. So the volume of voices has changed dramatically. So at the end of the day, I mean, I think Christians really need to come back to the truth that until God changes the human heart, nothing of significance is going to change. If you read through the New Testament, for example, the message is clear. The law cannot change the human heart. That's why Jesus had to come, and on the basis of his grace, people experience new life. And so we as the church have a mission to ultimately get people to Jesus. That's the only way right. things are going to change. And I know that's something you're very passionate about. And so I think the church can't lose her way. We're not primarily a political operative. We're, we're mm -hmm. the church. We represent the gospel. But I think we also raise up Christ followers that are citizens that God calls into various places and roles to be part of what's necessary to change the culture. Mm -hmm. So that's how we would look at it as a church, is our job is to reach people, to disciple believers, but then those believers go out into the marketplace. Some of them do go into the world of politics. They go into government. They go into these places and seek to influence change. So I don't think we just sit by and do nothing and just let everything go go down the tube. Right. But I do think sometimes churches lose sight of the fact that if you don't get people to Jesus, no right. real lasting change is going to happen. So it, it, yeah, it is a balance. Yeah, you know, people just need to understand that. No politician is going to change anything. Politics aren't going to change. You can obviously you vote for things that Christ would want us would want us to vote for, but I mean, ultimately, you're right. It just comes down to a heart change. It's like when I was doing comedy. You know, before I had a wife and kids, and I was kind of drifting away. I didn't really think about anything. I was doing jokes about this and that. I didn't care. And then, you know, when Jesus started convicting me and changing my heart, I had a heart change. And then I just didn't do those certain things anymore. And that's what people need. They need a heart change. And no politics, nothing like that's ever going to ever gonna do it. But in, yeah, in answer to Kara's question, that's true. I mean, we do what we can. We throw out the seeds and we let God do the work. But that's why God says we're the church. We all have different functions. 
So, you know, you could be working a fruit stand or you could be working the gas station, you know, just uh, keep that testimony with you. And the way the world is nowadays, people are going to go, why are you always so happy? Why are you always so content? And then you can give them the gospel. You know, that's how we're going to change people. But you're not going to do it by turning everything. When you're when you're trying to bring people to Jesus, the last thing you're going to do is win them over by arguing with them over politics. You know, as, as a church, then we, we're a church. When people walk through the door, they, they know that. We're going to preach the word. We're going to tell them what, what God has to say, and they can decide what they do with that. So I might be really bold in a sermon in declaring this is the truth and this is what God says because they're choosing to walk through our doors. They're looking for something. They're expecting that. I may not approach it quite the same way with my neighbor. I'm not going to go marching over and knock on his door and let him have it. Uh, He didn't invite me in to do that. So, you know, Kara talking about your life before you met Jesus. Mm-hmm. It's about building relationships. It's about loving people. It's about caring for people and and getting to the point where those kind of conversations can take place. I mean, I'm a firm believer nobody's really happy and their soul's not at rest until they've found that relationship with Jesus. So You're right how, in that. however they're acting, mm-hmm. it's like, I know that's not true. So I just want to be part of the story. And when the time is right, tell them, Jesus is the one that makes the difference. Right. It's that missing piece. Yeah. Because, I I mean, that's where I was in my life. I didn't become a believer until after Dan and I were married. Here I am. I have these these kids. Everything is healthy. Marriage is great. But there was still something missing. Money in the bank. You know, I was fulfilled with everything the world was offering. But there was something unsatisfying about my soul was just... Just wasn't sitting right. Yeah. That missing piece is Jesus Christ. I. That's why I, I'm so passionate about it. You don't always have to be in the gutter with a broken heart. You can be in any walk of life, and everyone needs Jesus. And it's a gift that's available to everybody, to any sex, any shade of skin, anybody. It's a free gift to everybody. And it's the, like you said, that shalom but yep. as a society, can we ever get shalom as a whole? I think if you look at the whole picture, it's overwhelming. But I like to think in terms of pockets. So where God has me at work, where God has me in my neighborhood, where God has me at school, yeah, it's realistic. I can do my part in creating pockets of shalom and creating small environments where people can flourish. And I think in a culture where there's so much anger and there's so much emptiness, I think people are so weary from all this conflict and anger. It's like if you actually see a group of people flourishing together, there's something really attractive about that. Right. So I think in little pockets we can make it happen, and it's got to start somewhere. Well, if 12 guys were able to spread it like they did, during the Roman Empire, <laughs> yeah, you know, I don't see why it couldn't happen yeah. here. Absolutely. With no technology. Absolutely, it's with no technology. Really. Yeah. One, one thing I noticed through, through all the COVID thing, and we, we have all these mandates and things coming down, and I saw a lot of Christians justifying how they were behaving based on their, their political beliefs, but they would use scripture and things to do that. Can you just clean that up? Because... I, I don't know who's right and who, you know, these theologians, these great guys that you would look up to. And one would say, this is why you need to 
Well, I'll just say it. Put the mask on. This is why we don't put the mask on. And it was very confusing because you want to do the right thing. I, at your yeah. heart, as a Christian, you really do want to do the right thing. But you also can see things parlaying into something bigger politically. Like you don't want you don't want to lose your rights because it might start small and grow bigger. And then, you know, we as Christians, you always want to make sure you protect your right to free speech so you're able to spread the gospel. So how do you how do you keep us focused as evangelists, which I believe every Christian should be? If you believe what you say you believe, you should want every soul, no matter if you disagree or agree with them, to, to know Jesus Christ as their personal Lord and Savior. So how do you keep from getting distracted? I know I turned a lot of news off, but what what would you say to that? Yeah, Brian, yeah, look, hold so, on. Let me get my pen real quick. This right. is a hot shot to the third baseman. Let, well, me, yeah. let me see that list. Goes. And I get it. And maybe it's just too <laughs> much to answer in this time period, but I just want to do the right thing. Yeah, no, it's a right. great it's a great question. And the the COVID season is interesting in that because we have so devalued truth. Mm-hmm you end up with a serious issue and nobody can figure out what's true. They don't trust the experts. The experts don't necessarily tell the truth. And so you have this chaos. And the fact is there aren't any of us that had some secret pathway to know exactly what was going on. I mean, people talk like they have some secret message from God that this is what's true and this is what's not true. And yet you have really solid Christians that don't see it the same way. Mm-hmm. So basically how I explained it to our congregation is we've worked really hard to have a really diverse group of people walking through our doors because we want anyone to feel welcome to walk through our doors and pursue a relationship with Jesus. And I think if you're successful with that, then you have people from all walks of life with all kinds of opinions walking through the doors. And so then in a situation like that, it shows up. There's different political views. There's different ideas about what's going on. But to realize unity isn't uniformity. We don't have to all agree on all these things, but must agree that Jesus is ultimately the hope of the world. And we come together unified around what ultimately matters and not get so distracted in things we can't ultimately resolve. So I, I, I recognize early on, I have my own opinions. Sure. But I don't have a secret stash of information that nobody else has access to. So whatever my opinion is, that's my opinion. Right. But it's pretty arrogant to think somehow I figured it out and nobody else has. So it's like... The hope of the world is still Jesus, and the church has to do a better job of not getting sidetracked in all this stuff and focus on Jesus. And I think that's something people walking through the doors with a lot of different opinions can still set those aside for the sake of the gospel and be the church. So COVID's just an example. There's lots of things. Yeah, COVID's we, just an we example have because differing opinions on it's just that know-it-all attitude then mm-hmm. that you were talking about. Yep. It could it could be anything and people do that. I know this about God and 
we just watched a documentary last night, Dan and I, where this guy, this guy literally, well, he was had some psychopathy or something going on, but he literally looked at God like God was serving him hmm. and making God who you want God to be. Yeah, very common, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so <laughs> like with my neighbors, with people I work with, even, even on our own staff, we had quite a diversity of opinion. Sure. It's like... I can respect someone that doesn't see it quite the same way I do and respect the fact that I don't know that I'm right. I mean, Christians have strong convictions and I can make a case multiple directions. I have to make my own decisions. But at the end of the day, there's things I do know are true and there are things I do know that matter. And these are the things that we have to focus on and get more skillful in living. Instead of just getting mad and offending everybody, it's like, there's enough of that. We need to get more skillful in representing Jesus. And anything I do as a Christian that puts Jesus in a negative light is counter to ultimately what the mission is. Right. So I have to have enough. Without how sacrificing about, how, yourself, though, correct? Without sacrificing truth. Okay. Or tell me what you mean by yourself. If I know you cannot stand blue, the color blue, and you're offended by anyone who wears a blue shirt. And I purposely, well, see, now that shows my heart. I would, I could, I'm just trying to, I don't want to purposely offend you, but I also want to, my favorite color is blue, and I want to wear a blue shirt. Who's right and who's wrong? Do you get over it, or do I... Do you not wear blue as to not offend you because you don't like blue? I, I guess I'm, I'm almost <laughs> answering my own question uh-huh. because I, my heart would say I don't want to do anything that would trouble you. But I mean, put it down to, let's just say mask wearing. Yeah. Put it down to that. Yeah, say, say okay, that's a good example. Say, say she doesn't want to offend that person, but if she wears the mask, it's causing all kinds of problems. She's getting throat problems. She's breaking out. She can't breathe. She's asthmatic, whatever. And then you, on the other hand, uh, she's she doesn't want to offend yeah. you, and so she'll put it on. A welding helmet. She, yeah, that's what I have at home. <laughs> she'll put it on just to offend yeah. you. And I don't mm-hmm. want to get everyone all fizzed up because this isn't about masks. No, this, this is isn't. an example of. I guess with the blue shirt wearing, it would be my heart. Then I'm going to care about you and not wear blue around you because I don't, I don't want to cause you pain. But in the mask wearing situation, I do know people who couldn't wear them, yeah. you know, or your kids got crazy acne on their face or whatever. Yeah. I, I just, I just want to do the right thing. This right. isn't any challenge. And I don't even know, Brian, that you could answer it. I just want to do the right thing by my Lord, Yeah, you know? So I guess there's a couple of things. You have the indwelling Holy Spirit yeah, who is there to supernaturally guide you through things where there's not a real clear black and white path. But I think also you have to be true to your convictions. Sure. If I'm going to take my stand for Jesus, that's going to offend people. But that's... That's Jesus and the truth of the gospel that's offending people. It's not my bad behavior. Okay. To your blue question, it'd be like, oh, I'd, I'd want to sit down with you and try and figure out what your thing is with blue. Yeah. And where does that <laughs> I mean, come from? 
and then have to make my own decision from there. So I know that's kind of a funny example, but but there would be a reality to t- tell me more about that. Why does that bother you? Why does that offend you? And then I'm gonna have to make my own decision. And are you somebody that lives 100 miles away or are you my next door neighbor? There's a difference in those relationships. Uh, Cause I can't live my Christian life trying to please everyone. Well, cause you're not going right. to please everyone. But, and, I, but need... I don't wanna purposely shove it in someone's face. I'm not talking about my faith. I mean, yeah. I'm very open about that. Yeah. But I do recognize a part of myself that is very rebellious. And I, I'm, I don't want to be disrespectful to God. And I know God loves you. So yeah. I don't want to be dis- disrespectful yeah. to, to you as his yeah. someone he loves. I'm just trying to find a balance. And I use the blue shirt example because I know the mask thing is offensive to people. But you see how I – we end up here anyway. But I find myself compromising what I really want to say because I don't want to offend someone listening to this podcast. And this is – what we've come to is a society, and I think a hard part about being a Christian in today's world is that you just sort of want to treat everything with kid gloves, you know? Yeah, or else there's an expectation that everybody needs to see it my way. Yeah. And I think that's where I have I have to understand in a situation where it's really difficult to find out what's true and what's not true, I have to be willing. I'll make my own decisions. But like for me as a pastor, I have people in the congregation that agree with me and people that disagree with me. But my my opinion has no more merit than somebody else's opinion on whether or not you should wear a mask. So it's like, can't we come together and accomplish the mission right? and somehow try to respect one another? So when we're talking about living more skillfully, it's like there are ways to navigate all these nuances in the culture in a way that is more skillful than just yelling at each other and creating conflict and being angry with one another. So if, if my neighbor has a different view, I don't need to fix him. I don't need to correct him. I don't need to give him a lecture. I don't need to be mad at him. It's like that's not very skillful. I, I would love to, to rather talk about Jesus right. with him. And so... If it's not something that's a clear right and wrong from Scripture, but even those things, I'm not going to compromise, but I can be more skillful in how I build relationships and how I talk about certain things in order to get to Jesus and open up a conversation about Jesus. You know, I I don't need to go knock on my neighbor's door and yell at him because he's, he's out back drinking a beer. It's like, what is the point of that? Sure. Who wants to live next to a preacher anyway? Yeah. And it, and by the way, my neighbors are great. I, yeah. I say that and it's like, <laughs> my poor neighbors, because I have the best neighbors in the world. Right. But the reality is I, I want them to know Jesus. Yeah. And so that's my goal. And I'm not going to get hung up on things that are going to divide us before I even get to that conversation. And I, I do think that takes skill in a in a culture that is so angry and so divided and I think that's where Proverbs helps us. It talks about the use of the tongue, the mouth. It, it talks about anger. It talks Absolutely. about all these things that get us into trouble. Right. Which, which, in the end, we've just come full circle. That's the whole gist of everything. That's why we have a podcast. This is why Jesus had to die on a cross. We are not perfect. We do our best. We do our best to be like him. We fail all the time. 
And if humanity would just stop being foolish and actually take to heart the Proverbs, society would be a much better place to begin with. And we probably wouldn't be having this conversation right now, but we don't. And that's why we need a world. And that's why we need a savior. And that's uh, why we just want to share the gospel with everybody and fill their emptiness with hope. That's all for today's Talk and Truth. But Brian, Dan, and Kara will be back again next week with more wisdom from the book of Proverbs and some encouragement for your week. So be sure to subscribe so you don't miss any episodes. Talk and Truth is powered by GoTandem, the free spiritual fitness app. Download GoTandem today and get spiritually fit. Get it done.